they're not here with us. And so if you would just look around this morning, it's pretty obvious that we're missing some folks this morning. So we want to encourage you to look around and and take a look at who's not here um, and let them know that they're missed. If you're a small group leader, make sure you reach out to the people in your small group. If your small group leader's not here, make sure you reach out to your small group leader. I tell you what, as a leader, it makes me feel really loved whenever I have to miss for one reason or another and people notice that I'm gone and and express that they missed me being part of the fellowship today. So if uh, if you notice your small group leader's not here, let them know that they're missed today and let's do that well. We may be making some changes and taking precautions. There may be some things that we've postponed, but what's never gonna be postponed is the love that we have between brothers and sisters in Christ and the way that we reach out to one another and share real life relationships with each other. In fact, in a time of uncertainty like this, it should be all the more reason why we're engaging in those things together. So we encourage you to do that. So we're not gonna pass that attendance sheet around, but you can look for someone and see who's missing. Our small group leaders are still gonna be connecting this week, and so we wanna encourage you to be part of that um, with our small groups, and uh, you can touch base with your leader to see if there's anything uh, that you need to know about your small group meeting this week. But if you're not a part of a small group, I would love to connect you if you're here in the service this morning, or if you're online, if you'll leave a comment on the live stream that you're watching now, then we'll follow up with you through that comment and uh, try to help you get connected to one of our small groups this week. So there are some things that you can do that we just wanna ask you to just be mindful of uh, as we continue to follow the direction from our leadership in our nation and in our church. Um, So one thing you can do is just, while you're here, just wash your hands, you know, um, and do that well. Uh, Scrub scrub for 20 minutes with warm soap, warm water and soap. If If you can't find warm soap, normal soap is fine. Did I say minutes? Man, I just butchered that entire last sentence. So. Yeah, wash your hands. The end. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And then we're going to limit physical contact, you know, as much as you can. And so we'll do that. And then um, be one of the most important ones, I think, is just being extra aware and cautious around any elderly folks, and especially those who already have some kind of illness going on. From what we've been told, that's where the greatest caution really needs to be exercised. So please please be aware of that. And then just if you're sick, just stay home until you know what you have, and, and then come back and gather back with us when you know you're not sick. So that's the, that's the stuff that we can do as a church. So we just ask you, do that when you're on campus, but do that when you go to small group this week too. Just be aware until we're more informed about exactly what we need to do moving forward. So, you know, I think the most important thing that we can do is trust God and pray. And we're confident that God is in control. And we're looking to cooperate with him by doing what we can during this time. And what we really want to see happen is we want to see the faith of the church stirred. We want to see revival happen in this nation and in the world. And we want to call God's people to not fear. And we want to lead God's people to witness boldly because these types of world events create more opportunities for witnessing. So we want to be aware of that as a church. So that's, that's what you can do. So welcome online. Welcome if you're here. Justin's going to come now and he's going to share a few announcements with us. Well, good morning. Tablet here is looking for my face because it locked like two seconds before I came up here. So, yeah, technology, man. It never works quite right, does it? And I'm a tech guy and I say that. So that's a little bit scary. All right, just a few quick announcements here this morning. The first thing is our Right Now announcement page. We want to encourage you and the people joining us online to go pull out your phone and visit that page. We updated it a lot for this morning, so make sure you go to westernhillschurch.com forward slash right now and check out the current announcements. The first one on the list is uh, just a link on our announcements up at the top of the page to give online. So we want to encourage you that if you are um, here with us or joining our live feed, that you just seek the Lord and ask him what he would have you give this morning. And so you can do that easily online. We have options for you to give on a web page, by text, by mail, or here in person is great too. The BGCO is having a conference and our women are going to be joining that retreat. And so we want to encourage our women to consider um, joining the women's retreat at Falls Creek's Conference Center this year. It's going to be April 17th through the 18th. And it will be an amazing time of worship and prayer for our ladies to get together, spend the night together and, uh, and just worship the Lord There is an important detail, uh, registration ends tomorrow. So you need to register today or tomorrow to get on there. They will decide soon if it will be postponed or if they will continue as planned. But if they postpone it for any reason or cancel it, then they will give you your money back for that pre-registration. So don't let that stop you from registering. 
You can go to our Right Now announcement page for all the details of that retreat plus a registration link, or you can talk to Renee Sanders about that, and she would be happy to point you in the right direction. I want to ask Britt Clay to come up. He has a couple things to celebrate, and then also uh, the Widow's Workday is coming up, so he's going to be announcing that. All right, good morning. I'm Britt Clay. I'm the youth pastor here, for anybody who doesn't know. And a couple of things. First, I want to celebrate on Wednesday night, we had a baptism take place. Felix Rodriguez, who's normally here in the mornings, uh, but isn't today, was baptized on Wednesday. I think that's going to be up on the screen here in just a minute. There he is. And uh, so we wanted to celebrate that with you guys this week. Warren's going to come up and put a bulb in for him. And Felix told me, uh, well, he called me a couple weeks ago, and he's like, he, he texts me, he's like, hey, Britt, can I call you? And I was like, like right now, I was at home by myself with the kids. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. So I call him, and he's like, I have a question. And I was like, okay. He's like, what are you doing right now? <laughs> I was like, you're a punk. And uh, he's like, no, that's not really my question. And he, told me, he asked me if he could be baptized. And I was like, yeah, sure. I've been waiting for this for like a year and a half. And uh, he told me that he finally decided to be baptized because he knew that he couldn't ask people to do something that he hadn't already done. And so he was trying to take that step of obedience to the Lord in that way. And so I'm excited for him and his, his walk of faith and what God is going to do through his life and, and through many others. Uh, so thank you for supporting us in that. And thanks for putting that video up, guys. Uh, also... In two weeks, actually 13 days, is our Widow's Work Day. We are still planning on having our Widow's Work Day. And it's not a day for our widows to work, but it's a day for us to work for our widows. And so um, I would love for you to come join me on March 28th from about 8 a.m. to about 3 p.m. Uh, to serve these wonderful ladies in our church. Every year, this is an incredible blessing, not just for them, but also for those who participate, as it's just something that's really encouraging. And um, people ask me, can we do this again? And I always say, or this year, and I'm like, yeah, if you want to organize it, you can do that. Okay, but it is a great blessing uh, to be able to do, to serve these ladies in our church and help them get their spring cleaning done and their yards ready for the year. Uh, that in a matter of sometimes minutes, what we can do would take them hours to do. And so it, I specifically need adults to sign up. I have a host of students signed up ready to come, and many of them are coming to work to help uh, earn a scholarship for Falls Creek or Mission Week. And some of you I know like to provide scholarships for students, and this might be a great way for you to come and get to know some of those students that are working to earn their way to those camps or uh, mission projects, uh, but also just to help provide leadership for them as we uh, serve these ladies. So adults, I really need some of y'all to sign up and help provide some leadership. Uh, and so if you're wanting to do that, I'll, I'm going to walk around and I'm just going to put names down on the piece of paper so nobody has to touch the board. Uh, or you can text me. I forgot to give them my number, but my phone number is 405-808-2802. If you just want to text me your name and I'll put you down uh, to sign up. And so my number again is 405-808-2802. Uh, that's all I got. Thank you very much. All right. Well, we're going to spend a few moments in a time of directed prayer this morning. And uh, President Trump has asked us to set aside this day as a national day of prayer. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask if you would just stand with me right now as we begin this time of prayer. And we're going to put some prayers up on the screen and uh, we're just going to take a moment. I'm going to express a prayer need to you, and then I want you to take a moment just in your heart. You can pray out loud or you can pray in your heart, but just to take a moment to pray for these needs that we're putting up on the screen. Our focus this morning is a prayer for revival for our nation. So here's our first prayer. God, as you have poured out your spirit on specific people in specific places in times past, would you do it again in America today? Would you do it again in the nations of the world today? Take just a moment and lift that up to the Lord in prayer.
And now, Lord, in this prayer, we specifically agree and pray for your people, Israel. Lord, that you would revive them and use them as your witnesses in this world. Now we're going to pray for this next need. The next need is, God, would you bring revival to our nation's leaders, to our president and his team, to our national and local lawmakers and judges, to our governor and his team. Let's pray for the rulers in our nation. Now we'll join our voices together in prayer. Last week, we looked at powerful prayers and we were reminded that powerful prayers are prayers that are prayed based on prophecy as we lift up declarations to the Lord. And we prayed this prayer last week. It's a prayer based on Psalm 46. And I think in light of even more development of what's happened in our nation this week, that it's even more appropriate for us to lift this prayer today and to declare these promises from scripture to the Lord. So I'm gonna lead us, I'll just speak out and then you can repeat after me as we lift this prayer to the Lord. Let's pray, oh God. At times my troubles feel terrible. Sometimes it feels like my whole world is falling apart. But you, oh God, are very present in my troubles. Therefore, I will not fear, no matter what, because you are my refuge and strength. Chaos may surround me, but in your presence, I find comfort and confidence. Oh God, would you be exalted? You will be exalted in all the earth, and you will be exalted in my life and you will be exalted in all my troubles in you i have hope because you are the god who will end all wars and make all troubles cease thank you god i trust you in the midst of my troubles i believe that you are in control I believe that you are good. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us in this time of prayer. You can be seated. We are going to dismiss children. Brandon. All right. Fifth grade and under children, if you want to go to the Bible zone, you go right out that door to the right there. Thank you so much for being here today. And for those of you that are watching online, does that red thing mean it's on? All right, good. Welcome as well. And we're glad that you've chosen to join us, whether you're online or you're here today. Thank you so much. Uh, I got up early this morning and wrote a different sermon and that I want to share with you today. And uh, <clears throat> this is not in our series, Powerful Prayers. It is uh, something that's very personal, I think, to what we're going through in our nation and especially for our church family, what we're going through. You know, navigating through experiences that we've never experienced before is very difficult. And this experience that we're navigating through, both for our government leaders and also for us as individuals, 
is unlike anything that I've experienced in my lifetime. And so without that experience, it's very difficult to navigate through the experience. On last Wednesday morning, I had, when I woke up, no idea what life would be like for our nation and the world by Wednesday night or today. Last Wednesday morning after I got up and got around, uh, I had a board meeting with Ben and Tom Hill and some others that are part of our board of directors at Kimray Corporation, and we were in that quarterly board meeting all morning. And when we gathered for that board meeting, we were concerned about the coronavirus uh, and how it might impact Kim Ray and its employees and workers because that's our job as directors is to be evaluating those kinds of things. But uh, we were uh, more concerned about the radical drop in oil prices that happened on Monday morning and how that would impact our business. And so that was the primary concern moving forward in our director's meeting. As I sat there in the meeting, Ben was sitting across from me, I had a white pad, all of a sudden, while I was sitting there, I began to have some invasive thoughts. Like, it didn't fit the board meeting I was in. You understand what I'm saying? I'm normally very disciplined of staying on track in the meetings that I'm in. And so, it, it's abnormal for me to all of a sudden spin off somewhere else. And, but I couldn't really help it. I began to have some invasive thoughts, I call them. And I began to jot down on my white pad some things that had nothing to do with that board meeting and had nothing to do with the future of Kim Ray. And I believe now that that morning God was speaking to me because he knew what was about to happen on Wednesday evening. On Wednesday evening, I had a long day Wednesday and had that board meeting and you may recall we had the funeral for Barbara Larson and uh, here in our auditorium that afternoon at two and then uh, at 4 o'clock, I had a meeting with Scott Sanders, our regular weekly meeting that we have at 4 o'clock. And then at 6 o'clock, I had counseling, premarital counseling with Joe and uh, Julissia. And, you know, I got in my car about 10 after 7. I had recorded the Thunder game. So I don't listen to it on the radio on the way home because I've got it recorded. And I, I get home about 7.30, 7.40. And I uh, finally sit down after a long day and I turn on the TV to the recording of the Thunder Game. And as I'm watching the recording, I always fast forward up to the tip. It's eight minutes in, by the way, on the recording is when the tip happens. And I fast forwarded up to the tip and I was getting ready to watch the game. And all of a sudden, right before the tip, while the players are on the court getting ready to start, some guy comes running out and gathers the officials and they have this discussion that goes on for a number of minutes while everybody's just sitting there waiting in 18,000 people or more in this huge coliseum waiting and wondering what in the world is going on. And then all of a sudden, the, the uh, officials go and pick up their jackets after they speak to the coaches and they leave. And then all of a sudden, the players they all leave. And then there's a public announcement made that the game that night has been canceled. And 18,000 people left Chesapeake Arena that night wondering what in the world is going on. They didn't know when they left. Well, it came out a little later that one of the players for the Utah Jazz that was supposed to play against the Thunder that night had tested positive for the coronavirus virus and as a result of that one player being tested positive and the fact that he had exposed his teammates the fact that he had played previous games while he had the virus and he had exposed previous teams in the NBA and fans to the coronavirus within just 24 hours less than 24 hours the NBA had decided to suspend its season well, that set off a domino effect that spread to the NCAA basketball tournament. And before you knew it, the NCAA basketball tournament had announced that they were not going to have the rest of their season. And then before you knew it, 
colleges were calling off all college sports. Baseball, tennis, golf, in the spring, totally canceling the seasons. And by the way, it really all started in the United States, in Oklahoma City. We were the epicenter again, like we were when the Murrah Building was bombed and it became a new era in our nation of domestic violence. We once again in Oklahoma City, just a few blocks from the Murrah Building, were at the epicenter of what was taking place in the United States. That's incredible to me. I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in accidents that uh, are outside of the providence of God. I believe that God is sovereign. I believe that nothing surprises him. I believe he ever, even, he ever uh, either he ever, he causes things to happen or he allows things to happen. And before he allows things to happen, he knows they're going to happen, which means he could have stopped it. God is absolutely sovereign. And if you believe that about God, which I do, it gives you a, a, an incredible amount of security if you believe that God loves you, if you believe that he cares for you. Now, if you don't believe that God loves you and cares for you, it's not going to create security. You know, it may create great fear if you believe that God is sovereign, but God doesn't love you. Well, I believe that he does, and I don't believe that anything that's happened is outside of the realm of the providence of God. God is in control. And when God is in control, we need to understand that God has purposes that he's accomplishing through whatever's happening in our life. No matter what it is, if God is in control, according to the word of God, God is not up there somewhere just occasionally noticing what's going on in our lives and on the earth. According to the word of God, he knows our every thought. According to the word of God, he knows the words that we speak before they are on our tongue. According to the word of God, he knows every motive of every person's heart in the entire world at the very same time. There is nothing that God does not know. And, and, and the scripture tells us that God is working through what is happening on the earth to bring about the accomplishment of his purposes in our lives, and in this world. You know, uh, it's natural for us to think, it's natural for us to think about our families first when our world is going through a difficult experience. You know, for me, when this started unfolding, first people I think about, my wife Sandra's with me. I think about her, but I think about my children. I think about our children. I think about our grandchildren. I wonder how they're dealing with what's going on. They are the first people that I think about, my family. Whenever we go through something like this, it's quite natural for that to happen. We need to understand that to think first about our family comes from God. You see, we are created in the image of God according to Genesis chapter 1. And the fact that when a crisis happens, the first thing we think about is our family the fact that that happens, that is in us because God put it in us. It's there for, because of him, created in his image. Well, for us to understand God, we've got to understand who is God's family. And what we need to know is, according to the word of God, is the church of Jesus is God's family on the earth right now. Now there's a number of analogies in the scripture that communicate this truth to us that the church of Jesus is God's family. Uh, for example, uh, we are called his bride in Ephesians and in 2 Corinthians 11 too. We are called the bride of Christ. That's family language, isn't it? And then the Bible says that we are his children. We are begotten of God. That's family language, isn't it? You can find that in John 1, 12. And then the Bible says that he wants us to call him father. Why? Because he is our father. We are his children. That is family language. We need to understand, if we're going to understand God and these uh, 
incredible times that we're living that the church of Jesus is his family. So when these things are going on in our world, I can tell you what God's thinking about. God is thinking about his family. He's thinking about us. He's thinking about how we're doing. He's thinking about what we're going through. He loves his family more than I love my own. And if you're a member of his church, I want you to understand you are a part of his family. He is your father, and he's deeply concerned about you. You know, a friend of mine who lives in Montana, he really deeply loves his children. I mean, it's, it, <laughs> he's a great example to all of us of a man who loves his children. And he loves his children and his grandchildren so much that he bought a large section of land right in the middle of the city where he lives. And he cleared the land. And then, after he cleared the land, he built a number of houses. And these are very nice houses, by the way. I, you might wish you were one of his children. He built a number of homes, and he built these homes for his children and his grandchildren to live in. Incredible. Why would a father do that? I want you to know I would love to do that. I would love to be able to buy a large section of land and build homes for all of my children and my grandchildren to live on the same land where I live. I mean, that would be incredible if I could do that, if I could afford to do that. You see, a father who loves his family wants to live near them. You know, my daughter Mercy and her husband John live in Virginia. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Now, I want them to do the will of God for their lives. And so I haven't manipulated them yet. But I want you to know, as a father, I don't like that. I want my family to be with me because I'm a father. I want to be there for them. You know what God says in his word? Our Heavenly Father says He's building for us a dwelling place in heaven so we can be with Him forever. Now, why is He doing that? Just because He thinks it's a good idea? No, it's because He's a good, good Father. And He wants us to be with Him. He wants us to be where He is. He told His disciples this in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so... I would have told you so, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I want you to understand that's father language for a family. I want you to be where I am. And what he tells us about this incredible place that he's building for his church, his family, is that he will provide everything we need he will protect us from all evil. He will heal every one of our wounds. Don't you want to do that as a father for your children? When they're wounded? As a mother, you want to heal their wounds. He will remove all sorrows, and then he will always be with us. What a dream, right? What a dream. Well, the church is God's family, and I want us to understand, folks, listen. God wants to take care of us. And let me say this, he is going to take care of his family. I mean, I have read his will. Huh? I have read my inheritance. It's no mystery. And he is going to take care of his family. We need to understand this about God. If you understand what I just shared and you believe it, I hope you do. Like any good father, God hates it when his children go through difficult times. He hates it when we have to suffer or we go through suffering in our lives. 
He hates it. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, first of all, it says it in his word, how he wants to deliver us from suffering. That's what heaven's all about, is delivering us from suffering and pain and sorrow. But I want you to know, I know it because he put it in my heart and I'm created in his image. I mean, when I get a call from one of my children and they're suffering, all I want to do is stop it. That's all I want to do. I want to stop their pain. I want to stop their suffering. I don't want to cause their pain. I don't want to cause their suffering. I want it to end. And that's the way God is with us. God hates to watch us go through difficult times in what remains of our time here on earth. It grieves him. It grieves him. He, I believe that God weeps for us. That he experiences real sorrow for us. He understands that what we're going through now is necessary for a season. You know, sometimes I understand that about my children. I want to stop the suffering, but I also know it's necessary for a season for them to go through it. And God understands that about us. That it's, it's necessary for us to suffer in this world for a season. But make no mistake about it. God is looking forward to that time when this season of suffering for his family will be over. I mean, he wants it much more than you and I want it. He is looking forward to when that time is over for us. I want to assure you this morning that there's no one who wants our suffering to be over more than our Heavenly Father. And he talks about it openly in his word in Revelation chapter 7. And in Revelation 21, he talks about it. He says, hey, there's, there's not going to be any hunger anymore or thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike you nor any heat. And then in, in, in Revelation 21, it says, and he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. Can you see his heart in that? He's wanting our suffering to end. Wipe away every tear from our eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain. How many no mores can you say without us understanding? That's his heart as our father for his family. He wants our suffering to come to an end. He wants our pain to end. It's why Jesus died on the cross. He died for the sins of the whole world. He loves the whole world. So he died for the sins of the whole world that all might be saved. Why? He doesn't want them to suffer. And for those of us who are in the church, as we go through these difficulties in our lives and these sufferings in our life, we need to know he's a good, good father. And if he's letting me suffer, he's got a good reason for it. But he wants it to be over as much as I do, or more. What he wants us to do as we're going through these difficult times that are difficult to navigate is he wants us to trust him. He wants us to believe that this world is not our home. Oklahoma is not my home. It's my home state that I live right now. But it is not our home. He wants us to believe that. He wants us to believe that we're just passing through this world on our way to a better place where there'll be no more suffering. He wants us to believe that we are citizens of his kingdom. He wants us to believe that our suffering is going to give way to his glory. And there's gonna be a great party when that happens, a great celebration when that happens. As we suffer, he wants his children, what every good father just loves to see in his children. You know what I love to see in my children? I love to see my children loving each other. Huh? There's nothing that blesses me more than when I see my eight children or Saunders four children loving each other. That's what I love to see that. 
It's so encouraging to me when they love each other. They do it in strange ways. They take pictures without smiling. You know why they do that? Because they love each other. They decided to create an identity true to themselves. And they do all kinds of kooky things like that. But, you know, two of my sons work for another son. Did you know that? You know why they do that? Because they love each other. Do you know that blesses me? That they love each other like that? That they want to take care of each other? That blesses me. My daughter Grace and my daughter Mercy are best friends. I mean, they love each other. You know, she recently, Mercy, flew here to be here for the birth of Grace's first child. You know why she did that? Because she loves her sister. And I want you to know, man, that blesses me as a father to see my children loving one another. You know where that came from, right? That came from God the Father. That's his heart. I mean, it's not only his heart to end all of our suffering as, as his family, but it's his heart to see us loving one another. And it grieves them when we don't. I'm telling you, when one of my children is at odds with one of my other children, I can't tell you the pain that I experience. It's deep, though. It's deep. It grieves me when they're not getting along. God loves to see his family love each other. His children love each other. That's why he loves that. That's his, that's his heart. J Jesus expressed it this way in John 13. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I've loved you. <laughs> Man, Jesus the Father wants his children to love one another the way he loves his children. Wow. Wow. That's what he said, right? That you also love one another. By this it says, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Prophetically, I would say to that, there's one good explanation of why the world that, as we know it is a post-Christian nation. Because it says right there, they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Well, we must not be doing a very good job in the church of Jesus. Based upon the spiritual decline that we're seen, have seen in our nation. But that's the heart of God. Man, he wants to end our suffering. And until that suffering is over, he wants us to love one another. That's what he wants us to do. You know, as a pastor called by God, I am a pastor because I'm called by God to be one. Had nothing to do with my personal ambitions, personal desires at all shocked me as much as it shocked my family when I told them uh, God is calling me to be a pastor well as a pastor called by God I have this responsibility <laughs> I have this responsibility of leading the church and equipping the church to love one another now, you know how difficult that is as a parent with your children. Multiply that about 100 times and you'll understand what it's like to be a pastor. I am supposed to lead as a pastor. Pastor means shepherd. I am supposed to lead you to love one another. You see, when it comes to us loving one another, apparently <clears throat> a pastor can't do it by himself. Apparently, our staff of any church can't do it by ourselves. Apparently, our elders and deacons cannot accomplish this all by ourselves. It's something that all of us need to participate in, loving one another.
I would tell you that in my lifetime, it is easier to lead someone to Jesus than to lead the church to love one another. Folks, it shouldn't be that way. We're missing something. I think we're missing something in our knowledge of the Father and his heart toward us. Because if we understand his heart toward us, it changes our heart toward others. If we miss it, we're not going to be good in our heart toward others. Loving one another in a way that brings joy to our Heavenly Father, it just requires all of us together to cooperate with him. Now, fortunately, I'm not personally pastoring the whole world and the church in the world. I've just got one little small segment of the Church of Jesus Christ Universal and that's this church that we identify by the name Western Hills. And so that's my job. And the elder's job is to help me do that. The other elders in the church, that's what their job is. Let's all cooperate together. That's what the deacon's job is. Is to all cooperate together as the anointed leaders chosen by you to lead this church to love one another while we're waiting for the suffering to end, right? Because it's going to end. We just sang about it. I got excited about singing about it. Did you? Man, that's going to be incredible when it all ends. Well, if we're going to love one another, we've got to understand what all of us need, me included. And here's what we all need if we're going to love one another. First of all, we need relationship with our family. It's not good for man to be alone. That was the very first thing that God said wasn't good when man was alone. He knew that man needed relationship with like kind, his family. <laughs> and we all need relationship with our family, the family of God, right? That's what we need. Every single one of us needs that. And God knows that. And so if we're going to love one another, we must understand that we need relationship with our family. We, we need physical help from our family. We need physical help from our family. These bodies break down. Things deteriorate. Things decay. And, and we need help, physical help from our family when that happens sometimes it happens when we're young but most of the time it happens when we get older right but there's all these occasions that come up where we need help from our family right and then we need encouragement to our faith from our family because we're easily discouraged we're easily discouraged when circumstances are not what we want them to be we can be easily discouraged, and so we need encouragement to our faith from our family. That's what we need. Recently, one of my children called me, and they were just in pain and suffering. What they needed from me is for me to say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. That's encouragement. It's going to be okay. Life is not coming out right now how you want it to. But let me tell you something. It's going to be okay. We need that from our family. We need encouragement in our faith. We need our family to lead us to the truth of who God is and who he's promised to be to us. And then we need support for our mission from our family. <laughs> yeah, we've been called upon to try to enlarge the family. And the way we enlarge the family is proclaim the gospel to lost people. And we need help in our mission from our family to reach others, to love others, to see them come into the kingdom. So these are what we need right here. And to love one another, we must understand this is what we all need. Every one of us, this sums it up right here. God wants us to be really good at it. This love is what any good father would do for his family. This is what I try to do for my adult children now. 
These very things right here is what I try to do for them constantly, constantly. It's what any good father would do for his family. It is who God is to us, our father. And he's chosen to manifest his love through us to one another. That's what he's chosen to do. It is what he wants us to be to one another as his family. You know, over the years, the leaders of our church have developed all kinds of ministries to meet the, these various needs in our family. I mean, when you think about it, every ministry that we have sort of lines up under one of those needs, right? And we've developed all kinds of ministries over the year to meet the needs in these families. And these ministries have served, served the needs of God's family in, in incredible ways. I mean, amazing ways. These various ministries. But what God said to me last Wednesday morning in that board meeting, when I had no idea what was going to happen Wednesday night, is this. And listen to it. Here it is. He said to me, while I was sitting in that board meeting, and I wrote it down on my pad, my church can exist and thrive if its only meetings if its only meetings are small group meetings in homes. I wrote it right down. My church can exist and thrive if its only meetings are small group meetings in homes. What he said to me was is that the ministry of meeting in homes is the only essential ministry in his church. The only essential ministry. That's it. We can exist and thrive if that's all there is. You know, that's not a new idea. <laughs> you know, test the prophecy. All we're doing is we're rediscovering an old idea. In Acts 2, it says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from what? House to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The love of God was being manifested in the church, through the church, to the family of God and one another through what was going on in those homes. And they started out having a meeting there in the temple area in Jerusalem, but I want you to know those meetings quickly came to an end. And before you knew it, the church was spreading like wildfire, not only throughout the nation of Israel, but throughout Samaria, and then through the Gentile nations. And you know how it was spreading? From house to house. It was the only meeting that was essential. It was it. It was the hub of where they loved one another. It makes sense, doesn't it? Through these small groups meeting in homes, their need for relationship with their family was met. Their need for physical help from their family was met. Their need for encouragement to their faith from their family was met. Their need for support for their mission from their family was met. And the same thing happens today, or at least it can. The love of God for us is manifested through us loving one another's. You see, through small groups meeting in homes, our need to be loved can be met. And every one of us can be a part of it. You know, what we're doing here this morning in this service is a good thing. It's a good thing. And I recommended to our trustees that we not cancel our services like many other local churches have done. And my thought, first thought was, what if somebody happens to show up this morning because they're searching for God because of what's going on in our society and our doors are shut and locked. I said, I don't want to be a part of that. And so I'll show up if nobody else shows up just for that reason. And then we developed a better plan and so here we are today and many people are watching online and that's great. But this meeting this morning is a good thing. It's Worshiping in song together encourages our faith. Man, I was so encouraged this morning as we worshiped in song together. It was great. 
Preaching encourages our faith, and preachers can give us vision for the church. And that's what I'm doing this morning, is giving vision for the church. Uniting in prayer together can be very powerful, and I experienced that personally just a few moments ago when Brandon led us in prayer. But God, make no mistake about this, God is saying his church can exist and thrive without these meetings. Hear it. I'm going to say it again. His church can exist and thrive without these meetings. His reasoning is simple. Through these groups, we can love one another. He gives us a platform to love one another in a way that honestly doesn't exist here this morning. Especially now when the pews are six foot apart. Good night. Social isolation, social distancing. It's really hard to love people when you're going, hey, how you doing? You know, when they're 12 feet away from you. Yes, we're doing it for precautionary measures, but I want you to know the church can exist and thrive if its only meetings are in the home. This is the main thing our Heavenly Father wants for his family right now. If you were wondering about small groups, are we going to have them? Are you kidding me? Are you, have you, are you kidding me? How are we going to love each other? Oh, we're just gonna we're just gonna table loving each other for a while. Where in the Word of God do you find that that when crisis comes, the church tables loving one another? Man, that's when we spring into action. That's when we spring into action. I mean, we've got elderly folks like Shirley Werner. I don't know. Have they locked down her assisted living center? How are we gonna love her? Who's gonna love her? Oh, Pastor, that's your job. Okay, I'll do my part. What about you? Who's going to step out and love Shirley Werner? Or someone else who's in their situation? You see, when crisis comes, we don't back off love. We spring into love. And we do it as a team. A team like Jesus formed with his disciples. Working together to really show the love of God. If you're leading one of our groups, this is not going to happen in God's family if all you're doing is facilitating a meeting once a week. If that's all you're going to do as a leader in our church, I would tell you, just disband. Because you're going to be modeling for people something that God never intended to be modeled. It's a once a week meeting? Are you kidding me? Can you read the New Testament and actually rationalize and justify that? When it comes to the family of God and how we're commanded to love each other, if you're leading one of our groups as a leader, you need to be connecting with your members every day, every day. Encourage one another daily, it says, so they won't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You see, we don't live in the same community, but technology has made this possible. It is easy to connect with everybody every day now. It takes me about 15 seconds. 15 seconds to send a message to my whole group. It takes me about 15 seconds to ask how somebody's doing today. It's all it takes today to connect with someone every day. And if they're having a struggle, it takes me about 15 seconds to give them some kind of encouraging word or tell them how sorry I am because of what they're going through. But if you're a leader, in one of our groups, you need to be connecting with your members every single day. If you're leading one of our groups, you need to be meeting at other times with your members during the week. Transportation has made this possible. You can't meet every day physically with the members of your group, but there needs to be other times where you're using your transportation to meet with the other members of your group and encourage them that you meet with. Developing new leaders. You can't develop new leaders by just meeting once a week, folks. And we need to broaden this love, right? It's all about broadening the ministry of love. 
you're leading, you need to be connecting your members in ministry to one another. We're shepherds. They're sheep. Huh? We need to say so-and-so like I just did. I bet you I prompted someone to reach out to Shirley Warner by what I just said. We need to be doing that in our groups. We need to be connecting people in ministry to others by sharing them with other people are going to and at times saying, hey, you know, Sam, would you contact so-and-so? Would you connect with so-and-so? Would you see how they're doing? We need to be connecting our members in ministry to one another and others as we discover our needs. As leaders, we need to be modeling for our members what it means to love one another. We have to model it for them to see it. And church, you need to bring great joy to our Heavenly Father and be family. You need to follow your leaders and love one another. That's the agenda. That is the end. That's what brings our Heavenly Father such great joy. Yes, this worldwide crisis did not catch our Heavenly Father by surprise. He is sovereign. And he has a divine purpose for everything that's happening, that's going on right now. You say, well, what is our Heavenly Father's purpose for this coronavirus? This is not rocket science. Whenever God sovereignly allows our lives to be shaken, he's shaking things up. The Bible talks about shakings in Hebrews 12, verses 25 through 29. And right now, you know what he's doing right now? God right now is shaking the economic foundations of the whole world right now. He's shaking it. And people are feeling it. They're feeling the tremors. They're feeling the shaking. You know what he's doing through this shaking? This is what he always does through shakings. He is showing the world how fragile they are. That's what he's doing. He's showing the world how fragile they are. He wants the people of the world to know this. You are not in control. You thought you were in control. I'm shaking things to show you. You are not in control. He wants the people of the world to humble themselves and submit to his control of their lives. Why? Because he wants to save them all from suffering. And it won't happen as long as they think they're in control and they won't trust him and look up to him. And I want you to know that he is Jesus the Messiah. He is Lord. Here's another thing that he's accomplishing. He's not only shaking the economic foundations of the world, he's shaking the ecclesiastical foundations of his church. You see, I have no idea if we'll have this meeting next Sunday right now. I have no idea if that's going to happen. The Lord is shaking the ecclesiastical foundations of his church. And even though I don't know if we'll be meeting next week, we'll let you know. I know this for certain. Our Heavenly Father wants us to love one another. And sometimes he's got to shake up the ecclesiastical foundation that men have structured in order to get us to love one another. And he's doing that right now. I want you to understand loving one another cannot occur by live streaming a service once a week. <laughs> that is not going to happen. We're not going to fulfill the command to love one another by live streaming a service once a week. It can only occur by small groups of believers gathering in homes and then caring for one another during the course of the week. Most local churches right now are not prepared at all for this crisis. We are. Folks, we are prepared. I have absolute confidence that we are prepared for this crisis. Right now, we're prepared. And I'm excited. I'm excited about what God is going to do as we love one another the way we're supposed to love each other. Right now, God is using this crisis to cause pastors to rethink their strategy of ministry. It's happening right now, I guarantee you. We rethought our strategy of ministry in 2010. And right now, I want you to know that pastors all over this nation are rethinking their strategy of ministry because ecclesiastical foundations have been shaken. God is working to prepare the church for what is coming. 
That's what he's doing. Preparing this generation in the church for what's coming in the future. I believe this current shaking will end. I don't believe this crisis right now is apocalyptic at all. I believe the world will go back to normal. This coronavirus will be controlled. And you know what's going to happen? It's just going to become a part of our culture like every other virus that's come down the pike. That's what's going to happen. The economic foundations of the world will stop shaking. At some point, health authorities and government authorities will tell us to go back to our normal lives and not live in fear. Most of the world will go back to believing the lie that they're in control, I'm sorry to say. And they won't get the message, we are not in control that God is sending right now. I'm sorry to say that many pastors and local churches will go back to normal. The ecclesiastical foundations of the church will stop shaking, and many pastors will not listen to why God is shaking the ecclesiastical foundations of the church. They will do a disservice to their people because they will not lead their people to establish and focus on what is the only essential ministry of the church that enables the church to truly love one another. The temperature of their churches Love for one another will just remain lukewarm. I'm sorry to say that will be the case. My only question is, will we be one of them, church? Will we be one of them? Are we listening to God and what God's doing? Will we be one of these churches? Here's what you need to know about me. When I played basketball in college, my strength was defense. That was my strength. I was not a very good scorer when I was in college. And the reason I was good at defense is because of my intensity. I was determined not to let my guy score. I was absolutely determined that whoever I was guarding, I hated zone defenses. I despised them because I couldn't guard my man and keep him from scoring we're playing a zone. When I worship God, I worship God with the same intensity, if you haven't noticed. If you come and stand in front of me, I'm yelling. I'm yelling when I sing. I'm, I am exercising the same intensity when I worship God as I did when I played defense. That's something God has put in me. And I want you to understand when it comes to what God is doing in his church, I have the same intensity. And I will do everything in my power as a pastor to keep us from having a lukewarm love for each other. I will tell you over and over again that our Heavenly Father wants us to love one another. I will tell you over and over again that the best way to accomplish that is through our small groups meeting in homes. I will tell you over and over again that this ministry of small groups in homes is the only essential ministry in our church right now. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe that's what God is doing. The question is, will we cooperate with our Heavenly Father? Will we cooperate with this word from the Lord? Will we love one another in a way that will most honor Him? Will we yield to his purposes for this current shaking that we're experiencing right now in our nation? I've written out a prayer here, just like Brandon did. Can we put it up there on the screen? We'll end the service with this today. I'm going to read it to you. And I want you to pray it from your heart. It says this, Heavenly Father, thank you for being my father. Thank you for being my father. Thank you for your great love for me. Jesus, you are Lord. That's a statement of fact. You are Lord. You are Lord of the heavens and the earth. You're Lord of my life. You're Lord of your family, the church. He's the chief shepherd. Heavenly Father, I surrender to your purpose for my life. You want me to love your family Help me to love your family the way you want me to love them. Show me where to go and I will go. 
Show me who to love and I will love them. Use me to love your family the way you want me to love them. Use us to reach others so they can have the hope that you've given us. Yeah, we're going to be with him. I want to share that hope. Heavenly Father, because of your great love for me and your family, we have nothing to fear. Nothing. Nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear because of his great love. That doesn't mean we should be presumptuous, not take precautions. I do it every day when I'm driving my car. I take precautions in order not to have accidents. I don't drive like a wild man because it's dangerous. But I don't fear driving, right? I don't fear navigating through the world. Oh, I will not fear. Your love cast out all fear. Thank you for giving us an eternal hope that no one can take from us. Thank you for giving your life for us so that we can have that hope. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let it be done. Let it be done. I would encourage you to get that prayer and pray it. You can find it in our sermon notes online. And I would encourage you, pray it from your heart to the Heavenly Father. I want us to close the service this morning, and we're going to have to sign off from those of you that are online. Uh, Brandon, if you'll come to the piano, we're going to close the service with a song. Uh, Scott, you can come on up, please, and Renee, come on up, grab some microphones. Come on up, Britt and Lauren. We're going to sing, He's a Good, Good Father.